0: Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators?
1: Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we share stories of people who experienced horrible things and try to imagine what they went through, as well as look for opportunities that could have made a difference and encourage people to help others that are being abused.
0: It was the summer of 2012. Police received a 911 call from an employee of an apartment complex who told them a 9-year-old girl was in their office after having run away from home. When they arrived at the office, the young girl named Imani Moss told them she ran away from home and didn't want to return because her stepmother was mean and hated her. After hearing some more details about the rough living situation of this girl, they visited the home that she had run away from. But after some questioning, they determined she wasn't in danger and left her right back where she started. This decision would have terrible consequences for the young girl.
1: Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Ryan.
0: And I am Rosie.
1: And Rosie, you've had a kind of a rough day, huh?
0: Yeah. You ate my leftovers. And <laughs> I'm really upset about it.
1: Well, that was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, I think. There was a lot more that built up to that, but I'm really sorry that you had a really rough day at work, and then I ate your leftovers (laughs) thinking that you had forgotten about them. Mm -hmm. So I'm really sorry about that. Also, um, I'm sick, and we're recording this episode really, really late. Last minute. Yeah, so we're literally recording it and getting it posted right after we're done, because uh, we've had a really busy weekend. We went up to Duluth.
0: Duluth, Minnesota. Had a really nice weekend.
1: Super nice.
0: Hard time coming back to reality.
1: Yeah, Rosie's very much a vacation person, but the coming back to reality is difficult. Anyway, we are so grateful for you guys that are listening, Uh, so we wanted to make sure to post an episode this week, even though... Even though
0: we said we weren't going to. Yeah,
1: we almost didn't. We really didn't think it would happen, but let's jump into it. Oh, did you have a Patreon announcement that we're sending out the Patreon packages?
0: Yep. They should have been sent out yesterday, but you didn't do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Clearly, things are going well. <laughs> no, we're just, I'm sick. and Rosie's really stressed out right now. But we are sending out the Patreon packages most likely on Friday if you enjoy our show. Uh, You can do that over at patreon.com slash VOV podcast because we got cool episodes on Jared the subway guy, Henry Lee Lucas, The Dark Side of Disney, Goofy to Catch a Predator encounters, and also movie set tragedies. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, you can find it over there. But shall we jump into it?
0: Yes. Are
1: you doing okay? (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Imani Gabrielle Moss was born on April 23rd, 2004 in the southern U.S. in the state of Georgia. Her mother didn't keep her there for very long and eventually surrendered all of her parental rights over Imani. Her mother disappeared after this and lost contact with her daughter.
1: So full custody of Imani went to the baby daddy Iman Mas, and Iman lived with his mother Robin, and he actually stayed there with Imani uh, after he got her. So Robin had a very close bond to Imani.
0: And Imani was a beautiful little girl. People nicknamed her Angel Face. When she was three, Imani began taking ballet dance lessons, and at age five, she began learning to play guitar.
1: Yeah, she sounds like she was a really cool kid.
0: She would often make up songs and sing them whenever she felt like it. Her grandmother, Robin, would take Imani and her father to church, and this really seemed to have an impact on her. Because she would set up her stuffed animals and pretend to give sermons to them like she saw at church.
1: Yeah. yeah. Adorable. I yeah, know. It's very creative. And also, people said she had a very bright personality. And can it she get always any knew more, she was there.
0: any more innocent and adorable than that? No. I mean, come on. That is sweet. This church is where her father, Iman, met his future wife, Tiffany Bashir, in 2008. She worked as a pre-K teacher caring for young children. And at first they were just friends, but over the course of a year they fell in love.
1: So, she's used to working with small children. Sounds like a good fit for someone with a little girl.
0: They got married in 2009.
1: Yeah, and this is when Iman finally moved out of his mom's house with his daughter, and he got an apartment with Tiffany.
0: And not much later, when Imani was in the first grade, the couple had a baby boy together.
1: And Imani really loved her little brother, too. She would talk about him a lot at school, the teachers noticed.
0: Imani started to struggle with her schoolwork, and her report card reflected it.
1: And this is when there was a shocking red flag from Imani.
0: She told the teachers that she didn't want to go home with her bad report card because she was afraid that she'd be beaten by her stepmother.
1: So understandably, this set off alarm bells for the teacher, who decided to take a closer look at the little girl and check her for any signs of abuse.
0: And the teacher actually found bruises and welts on Imani's body. So immediately she called the police and an investigation was launched into the family. They visited the family's apartment to help Imani out.
1: So you'd think that this would take care of the problem, they'd figure out what was going on and hopefully rescue the little girl if she was being abused?
0: I'm proud of this teacher for actually taking enough interest.
1: Yeah. With all the cases we cover, we see a lot of people that don't. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this really sticks out.
0: The police questioned Tiffany about what Imani had said and the physical marks on her body.
1: And here's a crazy detail. Um, Tiffany didn't deny anything.
0: No, she actually admitted that she had struck Imani with a belt on her back and on her head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I personally don't believe that physical punishment is necessary for disciplining a disciplined child. But if a parent chooses to use it, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's never okay to hit your child in the head, or like even on the back seems a little too much.
0: It it is too much.
1: Yeah, like when I got spanked, I always got spanked on the butt, which has padding to protect you from any real harm. But again, I'm not a parent and I don't know what I'm talking about. But whatever. Yeah.
0: Well, I I would never hit a kid.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially in the head. I don't think there's ever a (laughs) good time for that.
0: No, there's not. I get this. Tiffany even admitted to hitting Imani one morning just because she was eating her breakfast too slow, and Tiffany was worried that she'd miss the bus.
1: So um, they started investigating this, and thankfully they removed Imani from the home, and she went back to living with her grandmother, Robin, while they looked into it.
0: Tiffany pled guilty to child abuse, and she got five years of probation. But even after that, the Department of Family and Child Services determined that the punishment inflicted on Imani was acceptable as a response to the child's behavior, and qualified as corporal punishment.
1: Again, I don't know how hitting a child in the head with a belt qualifies as acceptable punishment, but what do I know?
0: Yeah, that's... I don't understand it at all. So they planned to return Imani back to her father and stepmother, but Imani's grandmother, Robin, she was not happy about this decision. She begged Iman to let Imani stay with her. But Iman wanted to prove to his mother that he could be a good dad and provide a stable home for his family.
1: Yeah, which is totally understandable. Being a man, that's something that you want to do. But the first step here that I would think to protect or to take care of his family would be to protect his daughter from her abuser you know this woman was charged and convicted of abusing his daughter but he decided to stay with her and also his mom robin was doing what she could to protect her little granddaughter but the judge completely ignored robin's concerns and denied her attempts to keep custody of amani so what happened next
0: Well, Amani did end up going back to live with her father and her evil stepmother.
1: Yeah. So remember how Tiffany worked as a pre-K teacher, which is really scary to say now, but fortunately she lost her job because of these abuse charges.
0: And this led to her license being suspended. So now she can't go anywhere.
1: Yeah, and it kept getting worse for her because teaching was what she did. You know how when you do the same job for years and years, it becomes the thing you do. But she couldn't teach anymore, so she had a lot of trouble finding work after this.
0: Since Tiffany was struggling to find work and they were pretty tight on money, the couple and their two kids moved in with Tiffany's mom, Pearlie Bashir.
1: And Tiffany's sister Brittany Brown also lived there with her boyfriend, so it was really crowded in that house.
0: So there's Tiffany and Iman, that's two, and then their two kids is four.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: That's and then
1: plus the other three.
0: Wow. That's super crowded.
1: Yeah. I mean maybe it's a big house, but I don't know.
0: Well, yeah, maybe it is. I'm just I'm picturing not. (laughs) Yeah. At this time, Imani was in third grade, and this living situation worked out for a while until Tiffany found out she was pregnant again. They didn't want to bring another kid into this cramped living situation.
1: So they wanted to move out and get their own place, but they couldn't really afford it, especially since Tiffany wasn't able to work or find anything that she was, you know, qualified to do, which led to Iman getting a second job to be able to afford their own place.
0: This sounds so terrible. Yeah. Both of his jobs were full time on different shifts. He was a forklift operator and worked 16 hours a day, Monday through Friday. He left the house at 5 a- five thirty a.m. for his first job, came home at 4 p.m. to eat and change. Then he went to his second job where he worked from 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. Whew. Who could live like this?
1: Uh, I even if you could i can't see it lasting very long
0: and you couldn't even call it living you're just like slave laboring
1: It sounds like a nightmare and i mean i have a ton of respect for people that work two or more jobs to be able to care for their family sounds so stressful to me i could never do it um and thinking about that how crazy i would go it could be a factor in where this story eventually goes
0: with iman at work Every waking hour, Tiffany was the primary caregiver for the three children they now had. Imani was the only one in school, so she spent most of her days with just her own children.
1: Yeah, so remember back to our intro, Imani had run away to an apartment complex office. Let's go into more detail about that incident, which happened when she was nine years old.
0: After police responded to the 911 call from the apartment complex... Imani told them she had run away and didn't want to return to her stepmother. She told police some disturbing details about things her stepmom, Tiffany, would do to her. Just a week before she'd run away, Tiffany had tied the little girl to a chair and beat her with a belt. She also forced her into freezing cold showers.
1: I don't know about you, but this does not seem like acceptable corporal punishment. Sounds more like torture.
0: Police went on to question Tiffany about these allegations. Tiffany excused her actions to the officers, saying that Imani had been acting resentful towards her because she was jealous of the relationship Tiffany had with Imani's father. Tiffany also said Imani was resentful of her siblings and the attention they got.
1: Yeah, so apparently, based on that... Tiffany's admitting that she's giving the other kids more attention than she's giving Imani. So maybe Imani has some valid reasons to be resentful. I mean, is that okay to give your own blood children more attention than your stepchild?
0: No, if Tiffany feels like Imani's being resentful, that should be a warning sign that she needs more love and attention.
1: Right, that's a good point.
0: It shouldn't be an... Yeah, especially,
1: especially if Imani never saw her father. He was always at work, and she was always stuck with her stepfamily, which made her feel like an outcast. So
0: Right. But Tiffany also claimed that she didn't discipline Imani anymore because she was already on probation for child abuse. She told police that her father, Iman, took care of that.
1: Sounds like she thinks that that discipline and punishment is what Imani needs here instead of maybe the attention she's asking for.
0: That she's craving.
1: Yeah. But after this questioning, the officers determined that Imani was in no immediate danger and they left.
0: Well, at least they did record the incident with the department of family and child services.
1: I mean, kids do run away sometimes just because they're sick of their parents rules or something stupid. So it's got to be hard for police to determine the proper reaction every time, but the claims that Imani was making were pretty harsh.
0: Less than a month later, police received another call about Imani. This time, her father was calling to tell them that his daughter was missing. He said that when he got, from, got home from work, she was gone, and his wife told him she may have heard Imani leaving when a door slammed earlier.
1: Yeah, so she heard a 10-year-old girl leaving the house, and she did nothing about it, and this call was at 1 a.m.?
0: So, I feel like we're missing a huge piece of the puzzle. Like, why would Tiffany not care if she heard her daughter leave this late at night?
1: Yeah, or else this puzzle just doesn't make sense to normal people.
0: It's not even a puzzle, it's just a... Scramble.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Police responded to the call and searched the apartment and the area around it. They found Imani curled up and sleeping in some bushes on the outer perimeter of the apartment building. They asked her why she was sleeping outside, and all she said was that she was afraid to go home because she didn't want to get in trouble.
1: Yeah. (sighs) I mean, to me, my instincts would say that This is probably a girl that's going through some rough stuff and she's afraid to talk about it. But that's not how the police took it.
0: This is insane. They actually charged Imani with a curfew violation which required her to appear in court in the future. Like, what? Yeah.
1: She's like 9 years old, maybe just about 10. And there was no instinct that the child was in danger here. It's not like she's sleeping in the bushes for fun, you know, but around this time, they must have been having some more financial struggles because uh, then they made another move.
0: They moved back in with Tiffany's mom and lived there for almost a whole year. Eventually, they were able to get their own place again. It was a three bedroom apartment. So the parents had a room and the two younger kids shared a room and Imani had her own room they also had an office with a big desk cupboards and a computer
1: yeah and now amani's 10 years old and you can actually see the house on youtube there's uh someone did a camera tour through the house and it was
0: a a house or an apartment
1: oh i think it's an apartment or a town or or something yeah but it was surprisingly neat like Tiffany was not a messy person or a hoarder, like uh, some of the people we talk about she was mm. she was clean and uh took care of the house it looked like, which you know makes it even scarier um what we're about to talk about
0: Is cleanliness scarier than dirty?
1: Well, when people appear to be really put together on the outside but on the inside they 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 have some dark secrets you know that's. Mm scarier to me, you know, like the Ted Bundy effect.
0: Ah, I see. On Mother's Day of 2013, the family spent the day with Iman's mom, Robin. But Robin noticed that Imani wasn't quite herself this time. She was usually outgoing and smiley and lit up the room. But today she was quiet and shy. She also usually had beautifully styled hair, pulled back in braids, but today her hair was unevenly cut short like it had just been hacked off and nothing had been done to style it
1: and so this was really strange to her grandma robin she'd never seen imani so quiet and disheveled looking so she asked iman her son what had happened to her hair and he told her that she cut it herself which, I used to do that. I got in trouble with our regular hair salon lady when I was like <laughs> eight or nine, because she could tell I cut my own hair.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got in trouble with my mom, because every time I'd open my pencil box in school, I'd take a chunk off mine. Really? Yeah.
1: Well, this is a new detail.
0: It's just a little collection for myself. <laughs> <laughs> was... I feel like I've never recovered.
1: <laughs> really? Recovered from what?
0: Oh, the damage I did to my hair.
1: Oh, your hair is great.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Well, Robin didn't believe that Imani had did this on her own. She was usually so well-groomed and put together. So Robin confronted Tiffany and asked her straight up, what did you do to my baby's hair?
1: Now, Tiffany's response makes it pretty obvious that Imani didn't actually cut her own hair.
0: Yeah. Tiffany said, when you act ugly, you get to look ugly.
1: So basically, that's a confession tiffany made imani look this way
0: and later that day robin was told about tiffany's plans to pull imani out of public school and start homeschooling her
1: which she also found odd because tiffany already had two kids that she cared for all day her own kids and one of them was still in diapers so she really had her hands full at home stay-at-home mom and robin really didn't understand how she could possibly find time to teach Imani as well. I mean, Rosie, you you take care of two boys and you homeschool, three or boys? three boys, and you homeschool <laughs> two of them?
0: Well, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at homeschool because I like the idea. No, I'm not
1: throwing shade. I'm saying she, you no, have your hands full.
0: I have my hands so full, stuff's falling out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mostly
0: because a- you ate my leftovers. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. I'm
0: having little shreds of mac and cheese falling out of my arms. Oh. That's what I got.
1: I'm really sorry. I didn't know you were having such a bad day.
0: Anyways, I just want to say that I think homeschooling is a really great thing to do when you are able to do it thoroughly and well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it seems like Tiffany's not handling day-to-day things very well, especially being on probation for child abuse. So maybe this wasn't the best idea. Uh Uh-huh. But even though Robin was worried about it, Iman felt that it would be good for Imani and Tiffany to spend more time together.
1: So now Imani is no longer going to public school, the place that had originally noticed her signs of abuse and gotten her help in the past. So now she was trapped in this house with her stepmom all day, every day, while her father literally worked all his waking hours and they began to grow apart. And all Iman really heard about Nimani's daily life was through Tiffany.
0: And I don't fault Iman at all because he's working like you said, literally every waking hour. Yeah. And nighttime hour.
1: Yeah. Well, don't say that quite yet.
0: Well, I don't blame him right now. Okay. I mean, maybe he did think it was a good idea because he's always working, so he doesn't. Know well, yeah.
1: It. I mean, he doesn't have the energy to, you know.
0: He doesn't have the energy to be a good father, which is super I, unfortunate.
1: I know. It's sad, but at the same time, he seems to trust Tiffany, and which doesn't seem like a great idea.
0: Mm-hmm. Tiffany enrolled Imani in an online homeschool program where she had other teachers to check in on her.
1: I'm curious which program it was. I mean, we both homeschooled for a year. One year. yeah each one year each (laughs) i used iq academy which one did you use again
0: um minnesota k-12
1: oh yeah okay
0: it was like the public school online
1: yeah that takes a lot of motivation let me just say that yeah but anyway
0: imani was able to use the office in the family home and on the wall of the office there was a piece of paper hanging with the quote-unquote class rules The rules were number one, try your best, two, smile, three, stay motivated, and four, have fun.
1: And that, like I said, that third rule, that's a big one.
0: That's a hard rule to follow when you're homeschooling.
1: Yeah, that was my biggest problem and why I only did it for one year. It's not easy. Um, But that video I talked about before, the video walkthrough of the house, you can actually see that um, class rules sheet posted on the wall. And it looked really friendly and fun, but uh, let's continue.
0: As Imani began homeschooling, Iman would get a lot of calls from Tiffany to let him know how much trouble Imani was causing for her. She was constantly upset with Imani for something. She even said that Imani pooped on the floor or that she was picking her butt. Every little negative thing that she could think of. This isn't even little. This is just weird. Like, mm-hmm. I really don't think she pooped on the floor.
1: Yeah. And she's
0: in, what grade is she in again?
1: She's 10 years old.
0: 10-year-olds don't do that.
1: Huh. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I mean, no one really knows because Tiffany was the only one there that can talk about it, and she's not talking. But Iman felt like Tiffany blamed Imani for losing her job and ruining her life because... Those child abuse charges from before, uh, you know, they really knocked Tiffany off of her feet, which she kind of had coming, so she has a bit of resentment there, possibly. But here's a really interesting detail. On the weekends, when Iman could finally be home with his family, Tiffany would usually spend time with her friends and family to get a break from the kids, leaving Iman to the parenting responsibilities, so... This guy's spending 80 hours a week at work, and then when he finally gets to be home, he has to take over the typical duties Tiffany has. Essentially, his time off became what her work week was, which had to be super stressful for him. And then there's their relationship, like pretty much non existent, it seems like, at this point. I mean, I can barely spend one night apart from you, Rosie, without, Aww. you know, being really sad. But if I never saw you at all during the week and then you left on the weekends, I wouldn't even feel like we were married anymore, you know? No. I'd be miserable. I would, too. <laughs> Thank you.
0: hmm Well, after the child abuse charges, Tiffany and Iman had to take parenting classes, which seems like a good idea. And apparently, though, this is where Iman first learned that there were other forms of punishment besides physical spankings. Yeah,
1: so so he had never heard of grounding or taking away something the child likes for a period of time rather than causing physical pain. Like, physical punishment was the only thing he knew, which kind of speaks to how he was probably raised himself. Yeah.
0: One day near the end of October of 2013, Tiffany had sent a text to Iman to tell him that Imani had tried to take a pot of boiling water off of the stove and burned her tummy. When he got home, Imani had a red blistery burn about eight inches wide on her torso. But Tiffany said that she would be fine because she put aloe on it. What's a... What is she doing with a pot of boiling water?
1: I I don't know. But eight inches, that's pretty intense. That's a big burn. And even if Imani did actually do this to herself, why would you not take her to a doctor, you know? Yeah. Like, maybe they didn't have health insurance or something, but what's more important here, her safety or money? It's just very odd that she just put aloe on it and said it was fine.
0: On October twenty fourth, 2013, Iman had some car problems on the way home from his first job. It took him a lot longer to get home because his car would overheat, and then he'd need to stop and let it cool down before driving home again.
1: Yeah, so his stress factors just keep piling up. That sounds...
0: insanely stressful yeah Iman worked on his car when he got home that evening and he was just trying to figure out what was wrong with it and he didn't come inside until around sunset
1: so sunset on October 24th is typically around 6pm according to Google
0: (laughs) thanks Google Tiffany was making dinner and the two younger children were sleeping casually Tiffany told Iman that Imani was in the bathtub and something was wrong with her He walked in there to find Imani having a seizure, and it looked like she was trying to say something, but she couldn't. He wanted to call 911, but Tiffany wouldn't let him. She said, no, I'm on probation, and if the cops come and see how skinny she is, I'll go to jail and we'll lose our family.
1: That kind of explains why she didn't take her to the hospital.
0: Guess. So instead of calling 911, Iman carried his little girl's body from the bathtub to her bed. And laid her down.
1: Okay, what? He's not gonna call for help? His little girl is clearly in trouble, and he's going to listen to this clearly selfish, narcissistic witch instead of taking care of his daughter? I mean, this right here was his biggest mistake in this whole story, and he made a lot of them, but this this one's unforgivable. I mean i get that he was super stressed getting three hours of sleep a night working 80 hours a week having car problems on top of all that and having to take care of a family but dude your baby is dying and you do nothing about it
0: and tiffany left her having a seizure in the bathtub yeah she could have died and she right just there. keeps
1: cooking dinner like nothing she doesn't care at all
0: no it's it's terrifying. The next day, Iman went to work like nothing had happened. On his break between jobs, he peeked into Imani's room and she was still laying in bed. The burn on her stomach was starting to become infected and her body was covered in scabs. But again, he neglected her and left her laying in bed.
1: So this was his second chance to save his little girl's life and get her medical attention, but he just went on with his life again. Apparently he felt... It was too late, and all they could do was let her die. But doesn't he realize how much more, how many more problems he'll have after she dies? Like, uh, he, and again, like I said earlier, having, being that busy with your life can drive you crazy. And I'm thinking that he's really, really not thinking straight. Wow. Because this is just a cold and callous thing to do. And Tiffany was too scared to get in trouble again, so they both just let her die. It's just garbage people.
0: She was just, like, this is insane. What a transition. Tiffany, she just suggested that they get rid of the body and tell police that Imani had ran away. She said that Imani had done it so many times before that they'd believe the story, so all of a sudden this is their plan. They would let her lay there in her bed and starve to death, and then they would just get rid of her and say that she had run away.
1: This is such a cruel way to let someone die. This poor little girl could not speak for herself, but her final weeks of life had to be such an awful experience.
0: She didn't have any type of medical condition, epilepsy that made her have seizures. I mean, for all of a sudden, her to have a seizure in the bathtub like yeah. that.
1: Well, I don't think it was um, like medical epilepsy. I think it was because of neglect. Oh my gosh! Like seizures brought on by just really poor health, based because so there's
0: a lot that we don't know. That yeah, happened.
1: we'll we'll keep talking about about what we know. But it's most likely caused by the way that Tiffany had been treating her.
0: And Iman just stood there and just let everything happen.
1: Yeah. Like I said, he was so... His brain was just so squeezed out like a dry sponge from all of the work he was doing.
0: On October 29th, 2013, five days after Iman had carried Imani to her bed, Tiffany called him at work and said, she's gone.
1: And after finishing, after getting this call, he finished his full shift of work and headed home when his shift was over.
0: When he got home, Tiffany was sitting on the couch watching TV like nothing had happened. The two young kids are running around and playing he walked into imani's room felt that she was cold and then got ready to go to his second job
1: and these two are just so freaking cold how can they just go on like nothing is happening
0: they're i can't even wrap my head around this this is so inhumane that they are just letting her they let her die in their house Yeah. Just like that.
1: And it's just like a complete lack of empathy or concern for another human being. It's just, (sighs) they were not willing to give one ounce of extra energy into keeping this girl alive.
0: The next day, Iman moved Imani from her bed to the office where she had worked on her schooling.
1: Yeah, and speaking of which, Tiffany actually started completing Imani's schoolwork and sending it in, as well as sending Iman texts about Imani to create evidence trails that Imani was still alive. The texts were something about how um, Tiffany had been on the phone with Imani's teachers, but Imani refused to talk to him. It's like, seriously, Tiffany, she's still um, maligning... This little girl still complaining about her after she knows she's dead?
0: Mm, it's disgusting. Now, Tiffany had been watching the show Criminal Minds and told Iman that they had to study these people so they could decide what to do.
1: That's scary. What?
0: Tiffany wanted to bury the body, but Iman wanted to cremate her. So after work, he picked up a silver trash can with a lid, black garbage bags, lighter fluid. And a fire starter. And fire starter briquettes, is that how you say it?
1: Yeah. So now we gotta drop our extra warning for listener discretion because it's about to get really disturbing.
0: Early in the morning of November 1st after Halloween, when Iman got home from work, he and Tiffany went into the office where Imani laid. Rigor mortis had set in and she was too stiff to fit into the trash bag so one of them held her arms to her side while the other wrapped her in duct tape to keep them down he put her into the trash bag and carried her to the trash can after filling the bottom of, of it with charcoal he put the bag inside he loaded the family into the suv then the entire family young children included loaded into the car with the trash can and started driving to find a secluded site to start the fire
1: and I know, I think we forgot to mention that Tiffany had taken the two little girls and her sister trick-or-treating the night before while Imani was dead, and they just kept going on with life like nothing happened. Wow. But now they were all in the car. Iman started driving, and he really didn't have any destination in mind at first. He was just kind of driving aimlessly for a while. But then they stopped at a park.
0: Tiffany and Iman got out and pulled the trash can out of the car. Then he doused the trash bag with lighter fluid, lit a briquette, and threw it into the trash can to start the fire. They looked away as it burned. He let it burn for a while, but it wasn't getting hot enough to burn a body.
1: And apparently he realized that everything he was doing was just making the situation worse. Like... Finally, he realized that. I wish he would have realized it before Imani was dead. But now he decided to put the lid on the can to choke out the fire. And he had to wait for it to cool down. Didn't think that through very well. But then he loaded it back into the car. It was just such an ugly situation.
0: It was about 4 a.m. And Iman had to work in a couple of hours. So they went home and Tiffany went to bed. And then Iman went to work. He worked both jobs while the trash can just sit there in <sighs> the back of his car.
1: So now he's at his second job. He got no sleep the night before. He'd already worked his entire first job. And then he hits one of his coworkers with a forklift.
0: <laughs> what?
1: Yeah, he was so distraught after the whole night and after hitting this person. Um, He actually wanted to tell his boss Like everything right there on the spot, but he didn't. And and instead, his boss sent him home early. Whoa. And Iman was just totally messed up at this point. Like, so tired, so exhausted, so guilty, you know, just.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm actually pleased to see that he's a wreck. Uh It seems like Tiffany's a complete sociopath. She just doesn't care.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing we will see in this story is. Iman does feel bad. Uh, Tiffany never takes responsibility. Wow. As we go on, we'll see.
0: Iman called his cousin and had a meet at a gas station. His cousin got into the car with him, and Iman told him everything. His cousin was terrified and got out of the car, telling Iman, you need to call 911. That is so messed up, man.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Iman went home to Tiffany and told her that he had confessed to his cousin and he was going to call the police.
1: So she was pissed off at Iman and also terrified.
0: Early in the morning of November 2nd, 2013, Tiffany took her two children and left the apartment. She drove her children to her mother's house, and when her mother opened the door, Tiffany just said, "'Don't let them take my babies.'" and handed the children off to her mom, Pearlie. Then she ran back out to the car to get their car seats and belongings. Once she was back in the house, she couldn't find her keys. Yeah,
1: and it's safe to assume she was pretty nervous at this point. She was nervous that she would be busted.
0: She told her mom she needed help and had to go somewhere, but she wouldn't tell her mom where she needed to go. Instead, Tiffany ran and woke her sister up and asked her for a ride. Brittany got up and left with Tiffany, leaving their mother in the dark. Once in the car, the only thing Tiffany would share with Brittany were directions for where she wanted to go. She wouldn't tell her anything about what was going on.
1: Which is probably a good idea, because if she did tell them why she needed help, she probably wouldn't get it.
0: Tiffany led Brittany to a long driveway in the middle of the woods. There was an apartment complex, and Tiffany had... had... And Tiffany had Brittany drop her off there and said nothing else about it.
1: So it sounds like this place was out in the middle of nowhere because Tiffany gave Brittany directions back to the main road, but Brittany still got lost. In the state Tiffany was in, though, I'd be more surprised if the directions actually were coherent. You know, like, Mm -hmm. did they even make sense in the first place?
0: Brittany did eventually make it back to the house, but it did take a while. Later that morning, November 2nd, 2013, Iman called police and told them that his daughter had ingested some kind of chemical and died. Interesting thing to say.
1: Yeah, very vague.
0: Yeah. Officer Michael Poppy was the first to respond to this call. As he pulled up to the apartment, Iman Moss was standing outside acting frantic and nervous. He asked where Imani was. Iman replied that he didn't know what to do. So he put her in a garbage can. This is a really dumb alibi.
1: I know. Like, what the heck, dude? It's your little girl. Like, if she had really ingested poison and died suddenly, she wouldn't be decomposing or anything yet. Why would you put her in a garbage can? That
0: is, like, such a stupid thing to say. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Iman pointed to the garbage can, which was laying in the grass next to the apartment complex parking lot. After having his partner detain Iman, Michael Poppy walked over to it, uncertain and nervous about what he would find. He cautiously removed the lid, and he immediately saw a small leg piercing through the garbage bag inside. Disturbed, he took a photo for evidence. The girl was extremely underweight, badly burned, and wrapped in duct tape.
1: So can you imagine this officer being told he is responding to a possible poisoning and then having to come upon this disgusting, tragic sight? She had been dead for five days at this point and had been really badly burned, then hauled around in a trash can in the back of a truck. It had to be just a devastating sight.
0: And after finding this, Michael worried that Iman's two other children may have been in danger as well. So he went up to the apartment to check on their safety. But the apartment was completely empty, so he sealed it off as an active crime scene.
1: Yeah, I know I'm sometimes hard on police, but their job has really got to be difficult. Not only the terrible things they see, but being lied to all the time and having having to try to figure out what the heck's going on with no help from the people who actually know. I mean, what are they supposed to make of this scene at this point, especially when the parents aren't talking
0: right but thankfully when michael asked iman where the rest of his family was iman told them tiffany had fled with her two children to her mother pearly bashir's house
1: yeah tiffany was probably pretty pissed at iman because she didn't really want to call the police in the first place but like we said earlier he actually seemed to feel really bad about what had happened
0: So Michael made his way over to Pearlie's house, and before he went in, he checked the plates of the silver SUV in the driveway. It was registered to Iman Moss, so he secured that as well, to be searched for evidence. Then he knocked on the front door of the house. Pearlie answered, but she told them that she didn't know where Tiffany was. Just that she had been there for a bit, quickly changed her clothes, and left with her sister. She pointed to a pile of clothes that Tiffany had changed out of.
1: So while the police were there, Brittany showed up from uh, returning returning from giving Tiffany a ride to the apartment complex, and police asked her where Tiffany was, but she honestly couldn't tell them because she had gotten so badly lost on the way back to the house, but she did corroborate her mother's story and told police what she did know.
0: I would be like Brittany. <laughs> like, I, I have know. no idea where I was.
1: That's why it's completely believable for me that <laughs> Brittany had no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would be no help. Brittany did tell them that Tiffany had come to the house early that morning and woke her up in a panic, telling her that she needed to leave. But that's all she knew. Back at the police station, Iman had been taken in to be questioned. He told police that he was at work that day when his wife had called him and told him that his daughter had drank some chemicals and died. Then he came straight home and didn't know what to do, so he panicked and put her in a trash can and lit it on fire. Because that's what you do when you panic. Yeah. You just light people on fire in a trash can.
1: Yeah, obviously. But anyway, we know this story isn't what really happened. Iman was trying to redirect the blame from Tiffany and himself to just an accident.
0: Well, authorities could tell just by looking at Imani's body that it was a long-term neglect that killed her. She was just skin and bones. She had been unhealthy and neglected since long before she actually died.
1: Yeah, so just so we all understand, we were talking about earlier her seizure and how... Um, It was circumstances that kind of caused it. Imani was 10 years old, but she only weighed 32 pounds. So she was extremely malnourished.
0: That's really, really skinny.
1: Yeah, the average weight of a 10-year-old girl is 70 pounds. So she was less than half that. And like I said before, her last weeks must have been so painful and difficult to live through for a little girl who needs I mean, children, fasting's great if you're fat, but when you're a little kid growing, you, you need your nourishment every day. And uh, I hate it. I hate these cases where the parents starve their children.
0: Well, the coroner found that there was absolutely nothing in her stomach. There wasn't even water in her stomach. This proved that she couldn't have possibly died from chemical poisoning. They determined that she died of starvation.
1: (sighs) It was such a sad way for this little girl to go. And this total witch evil stepmother Tiffany was blaming Imani for something that Tiffany did to herself. You know, that resentment that she had, that she lost her jobs. And this resentment festered until she was able to just let herself let the child starve you know <sighs> resentment it's such a dangerous thing I mean, there's certain situations it's healthy like if someone abused you but a little child that you abused until you got caught and then she got you in trouble and ruined your life that's misdirected blame it's your fault tiffany you did this to yourself
0: In her hurry to get away, Tiffany only brought her ID and $200 with her. She couldn't get very far with this, so she eventually surrendered herself to the police. At first, both her and Iman pled not guilty. But in 2015, Iman ended up changing his plea to avoid a possible death penalty charge. But Tiffany rolled the dice and opted to go to trial, which just happened this past April of 2019.
1: So let's share the ultimate sentencing.
0: I can't believe they pled not guilty, as if they ever had a chance. Right. On Monday, April 29th, 2019, a jury of six women and six men found Tiffany Moss guilty, and she was sentenced to death.
1: Well, that's quite a hefty sentence. And I'm not going to pretend my opinion on the death sentence, death penalty even matters, but... I really don't know how I feel about it. Um it is what it is, but I can't imagine many people would come to the defense of someone that neglected a 10-year-old girl to death. Um that said, I think she should probably sit in prison for life and think about what she did instead of you know getting the easy way out, but that's just me.
0: Yeah. I have my own opinions too, but I don't want to get in trouble for them.
1: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Tiffany actually represented herself in court, but didn't even have an opening statement, a closing argument, or questions for any of the witnesses. Her plan was to leave it to God's will.
1: <laughs> so that plan didn't work out great for you.
0: <laughs> the jury had seen the harrowing pictures of Imani's body, and it was hard for them to look at.
1: And this is such a shame. It's, the way she was treated was just so unnecessary and heartless
0: hmm As for Amon, he skipped his trial back in 2015 and just pled guilty to felony murder. He's serving a life sentence in prison with no possibility of parole.
1: And like we said earlier, I don't think there's any question that he's a lot more remorseful than Tiffany. Well, he really should have been there for his daughter and been checking up on her, but I can see how he was so overwhelmed with work and so stressed out that he just ignored it for too long, not realizing how evil his wife truly was, and then he just kind of stumbled into his daughter dying and handled it in a completely stupid and heartless way. I mean, there's no question that he deserves punishment here, but I can't help but feel for him just a tiny bit because of the massive stress he was under working 80 hours a week and sleeping about three hours a night mm-hmm. and barely having a relationship with his family, that really messes you up. Um, but there's a dead little girl here, and he tried to cover it up and lie about it. So at the same time, he does deserve what he got. It just it just all sucks. Oh, What do you think, Rosie?
0: Well, I can't say what justice is because I don't know what it would be.
1: Right. But there, There is no justice for killing another person.
0: No. I think, I guess I'm glad he's behind bars because, I mean, all in all, he, he did what you said. He just, he tried to cover up the death of his little girl and he could have done something. He could have called 911 when she was having a seizure or brought her to the doctor when she had burns right. on her stomach. So.
1: Or left Tiffany he, after she abused her the first time.
0: Tiffany neglected her to death, but he turned a blind eye, and that caused her to die, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. both. both of them neglected her to death.
0: Right, so I guess...
1: Tiffany just sat there and watched it happen while he was kind of, you know, had so many other things on his plate that he just couldn't deal with it.
0: So I guess I'm glad that he didn't get the death penalty, because I do understand the other... Ways to look at it like you were talking about with his jobs and being tired and stuff. Mm -hmm. But as for Tiffany, I don't really care that she died.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we probably shouldn't talk about this anymore. There were a couple more really annoying details about Tiffany's behavior around Imani's murder, so Rosie, let's share those.
0: On the 27th of October, the day before Tiffany called Iman to tell him that his daughter was dead, Tiffany had actually spent most of the day texting back and forth with her sister Brittany about going out for Brittany's birthday. They talked about what they would wear and where they would go for dinner and what drinks they would get.
1: So while she was completely neglecting Imani, probably knowing she would be dead soon, she was nonchalantly exchanging cheery texts with her sister. That's just really weird.
0: Then on Halloween that year, three days after Imani's death, Tiffany took her two younger children out to do the trick-or-treating along with her sister Brittany. Brittany never questioned why Imani hadn't gone out with them that night.
1: See, I forgot that I put this in the outline and so I mentioned it earlier, but they
0: probably forgot. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Brittany says that Tiffany told her Imani was working on school at the time. Um, so that's how Britney was able to excuse it. But who makes their kids do schoolwork at night when all the other kids in the neighborhood are out having fun? That's that, weird.
0: Yeah. I'm surprised Brittany just Took that.
1: But this is baffling. Tiffany's just going on with her life, knowing she's got a dead child laying in her home, and Iman is going on with his routine of work. But, you know, he was so overwhelmed, so overworked, which is a huge factor in his total lack of care in this case, in my opinion. And just apathetic, you know, when he could have saved his daughter. Um, But... Just think about what the horrible things this girl went through. She was treated like crap by her stepmom, isolated from other people, and starved to death. And who knows what else happened, you know? There there was the shower stuff. There was the pot of boiling water, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Another person that this all really affected was Iman's mother, Robin. She was really distraught saying that all of this could have been prevented if people would have just listened to her. She reminded people of the many times police were called to the home after Imani ran away, and how there were cries for help, but no one believed Imani was in danger.
1: Yeah, and you can actually see Robin on YouTube talking about Imani, and it's really sad to watch, but, I mean, there was a time she ran to the office of the apartment building we talked about in the beginning, she told police she was afraid of her stepmother, but they didn't do anything to look into it, you know? It's had to be so frustrating for Imani, and now it's frustrating for Robin as well.
0: Robin also talked about how disappointed she was when Imani moved out of her care in 2010 to go back to her abuser after Tiffany had been charged with a child abuse against Imani.
1: Yeah, I'd be pissed too. Why the heck did they give custody back to an abuser? I just, I don't see how this could happen. Tiffany wasn't even her real mother. And Iman just wasn't thinking about this at all, apparently. Putting his new wife, who abused his daughter, first. You know? Putting her before Imani. He probably should have left her after she was charged and focused on protecting his daughter. But again, he was overwhelmed with work, so I don't think he physically had time to care for his daughter.
0: Apparently, the judge said that Iman and Tiffany were more financially stable for Imani than Robin was at the time.
1: And it's so sad when money is more important than love, you know?
0: Both Iman's mom, Robin, and Tiffany's mom, Pearlie, attempted to get custody of the two younger children after Iman and Tiffany were arrested, but they were both denied. Robin was told that she was not financially stable enough, the same reason they decided Imani couldn't stay with her. And Pearlie was told by the judge that it was unfathomable to the court that Pearlie couldn't have known about the abuse of Imani and that she had turned a blind eye to the suffering and death of a child who had been neglected to death.
1: So Now, you know I understand the righteous indignation of the judge here, but does he really know that? Like, I know firsthand that family members can do really stupid stuff that I have nothing to do with, and it's kind of a pet peeve of mine for people to blame someone or have resentment for someone based on what one of their family members did. You know, there's no guarantee they had anything to do with it, or even that they knew about it. So maybe the judge knew more details about Pearlie than I do, but if it's just speculation, that's super not cool.
0: Robin went on to sue the Department of Family and Child Services for neglecting Amani's case, and two employees were actually fired over this, and four others were disciplined over it.
1: So it is good to see them taking responsibility over this, but... Again, it's kind of too little too late, and I just hope that the people that were fired were fired for a good reason and not just misdirected blame to make the department look better. What I do find interesting about this case is the contrast between how the judge treated Tiffany and how the Department of Child Services treated Imani. And Tiffany chose to represent herself But the judge reminded her over and over again that if she wanted a lawyer, she would be provided one by the state, paid for by taxes, you know? On the other hand, Protective Services did very little to reach out to Imani and make sure she was okay. You know, the only person that really seems to have tried to reach out to her was her teacher that helped get Tiffany charged with child abuse. But it's just funny and sad that... um it's just sad how well the rights of alleged criminals are protected, but the rights of a little girl to not be abused are neglected as much as she was, you know? Right. But before we end, um, I want to share some of the words of Robin Moss, the grandmother that tried to save Amani. So Rosie, can you read that?
0: Yes. It says, I feel bad because it's like no matter how much I fought, it was just like no one was there to help me. No one. No matter how many times I went down there to fight them because they wanted me to give her back and I didn't want to give her back after the six months, they put her back in that home and I knew that when they put her back in that home, that was it. Robin Moss said that she was compelled to tell Imani's story and to make sure that no other child would be failed so badly again. She continued, Even if it's taking them out of an abusive home, that's worth it, because that's still life. And I would rather have a child taken out of a home to keep them alive than to be in a home, and the next week they're gone. So that's my goal. I just want to see all children living. I just want people to wake up and look around and notice that our kids are lacking the love they're supposed to have. They need attention. They need love. You have kids bullying children for no reason. Why? Because they're not getting the love they're supposed to have. They might be getting bullied at home. I just want us all to wake up to save our children. It's time.
1: Yeah, there's so much emotion behind what she's saying, and, you know, she's really feeling the pain of her loss.
0: Yeah, you can see how much she's hurting just in the words that she picked. Uh
1: huh. But there's a lot of value to what she said. And it's really nice to see that even after what she's lost, she wants to try to make a difference for other kids. So, all right. Well, that's the story of Imani Gabrielle Moss or Gabrielle.
0: Gabrielle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. So um, should we mm. do the Apple podcast review portion of the show? Yes. All right, you read it.
0: It's titled Your Encourage is Incredible Five Star.
1: <laughs> from Katie Zacharias. Zacharias. I hope that one of those is correct.
0: <laughs> I think Katie's right. Okay, Katie from Canada. Canada. For the- Ryan? For the two of you to share such personal stories about your past victimizations on your podcasts is amazing. It really helps your subscribers to connect and relate. Wait, amp?
1: Oh, that's just what the some programs turned um ampersands. They take it and they write amp after it.
0: Oh, okay. So it's kinda weird. So it's supposed to say it really helps your subscribers to connect and relate with you guys. Yes. Keep up the amazing work.
1: Thank you so <laughs> much, Katie.
0: Thank you, Canadian Katie.
1: We appreciate that a lot. Very much so. It's hard for us to get vulnerable and um, share our flaws. It's
0: because we're fours. (laughs) Yeah, fours. On the Enneagram.
1: Yeah. Hey, have any of you taken the Enneagram test? We we are curious to know what number you are. (laughs) Rosie's a four-dash-three. Four-wing-three, I mean. And I'm a four-wing-five.
0: The so individualist and the bohemian. No, right? I think uh, so.
1: Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, yeah, if you have taken it, let us know what number you are. And if you haven't taken it, look into it. It's Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, I think. Anyway, I think that's going to wrap it up for the night because <laughs> we are <laughs> exhausted. We did it. We did it. We did it. Play the Dora song now.
0: Yeah, right? (laughs) Uh, We had one of our listeners ask us about um, if they could get a t-shirt or not. So we just want to plug in our Threadless store once again. If you want a t-shirt or a mug or a a bag, I don't know, we got a bunch of stuff on there. So if you go on Threadless and look up Voice of the Victim, you're going to find all that kind of cool stuff. And also, if you become one of our patrons, you're going to get a mug or a magnet or a sticker.
1: or Or just a postcard from
0: us
1: (laughs) with a a very grateful note
0: so yeah think about it let us know if you want to do it or just do it and then we'll see
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you guys so much for joining us and spending this time with us and we will talk to you most likely next week
0: (laughs) bye